Hello everyone, my name is Andrew Newby and I'm hosting a series of iResearch Services podcasts over the coming weeks. These are intended to educate senior level marketers and thought leaders as to how to address some of the more challenging and exciting issues facing them currently. Our topic today is using servant leadership to drive transformation within an organization. With that, I'd like to welcome today's guest expert, Dr. Madana Kumar. Uh, Madana is a self-styled servant leadership evangelist, thought leader, and organization builder with close to four decades of experience. He's currently balancing two roles, one in corporate as the vice president and global head of leadership development at UST Global, an American provider of digital technology and transformation, IT services and solutions. The second role is in consulting, spreading the message of servant leadership and helping organizations implement and benefit from this new leadership paradigm. Madonna, Dr. Kumar, welcome. And thank you for sharing your insights with our listeners. Thank you, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here and pleasure to, pleasure to be talking with you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome and uh, fully reciprocated. So, so just to start off, Madonna, um, can you give our listeners an idea of your central message or messages with regard to, to servant leadership? Yes, so servant leadership, um, you know, is, is in my view, the only leadership philosophy that balances beautifully between results and relationships. And that is really what makes it uh, unique. It is the, the leadership philosophy that focuses on people first and yet know that we can achieve the results that we need for, for surviving or for thriving, not just surviving, for thriving in this world, in today's world, through results. So it's, it's really, uh, really a beautiful balance between uh, results and relationship. And it also creates a whole new world uh, ecosystem around us. You know, it creates it creates better employees. It creates better citizens uh, for the world. So it's really a beautiful, beautiful philosophy. Just not just for organizations, but for the world itself. That's a big claim. That's a big claim. So would it be um, summarizable as follows: that um, it's about putting the welfare of the employee above that of the leader, him or herself. That's absolutely right. Yeah, that is the practical definition that I that I always provide for servant leadership. Actually, when people ask me what is you know who is a servant leader, I tell them a servant leader is someone who invests in the life of another person to the extent that the other person becomes better, bigger, wiser, richer, healthier, wealthier, happier, more famous than himself or herself. You know, that's what a servant leader lead, leader, leader is uh, truly. Right. But in an organizational context, to, to be to be made to make it more practical, what you what you said, placing the interest of the employee, uh, you know, ahead or above the self-interest of the leader is what makes a servant leader in an organizational context. Okay. So, how did you find this path to uh, let's call it leadership accountability? Uh, come again, Andrew. How did you? come to this path uh, uh, okay yeah so leadership uh, accountability as a, as a management paradigm 
Yeah, so I, I, I you know, I actually stumbled upon it, um, you know, interestingly from the Bible, frankly, um, you know, at, as part of my faith journey, when I started uh, studying the Bible is when I came across it. And then when I, uh, you know, started looking for parallels in the corporate world, uh, I did come across Robert Greenleaf's definition of servant leadership and, uh, you know, the, the, the practical uh, implications of that and and you know and 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 things like that. So um, so as as many people who search for servant leadership in the organizational context would obviously know Robert Greenleaf. So that's you know so I came from the Bible to Robert Greenleaf, and that's how you know I I discovered uh, this this uh, the, 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 this philosophy. And and the in in essence um, it. Servant leadership invests in the life of someone else to become bigger, richer, wiser, more famous than oneself as a as a leader. Is that sort of the nub of it? Yeah, correct. That's how I I really define servant leader. Yes, because that's quite a big claim, isn't it? You know, if you're <clears throat> you think it from a sort of secular point of view, within a company, uh, you know, we are surrounded all by people we like, people we respect, some don't respect so much. So it's, it's actually sort of quite a big uh, moral claim uh, to sort of put oneself below those around you. So sort of, um, so you, you're, so you have a set of seven behaviors that you recommend leaders to develop with, with instruments to measure them. Um, how, you know, tell me how that works. Tell me how servant leadership works. Right. Yeah. So ultimately, ultimately, yeah, that, that's really the the, the 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 final question, right? How does it work? Does it work? And how can we make it? How can we apply it in real life and things like that? That's where you know I have come across this. I, I've come up with this uh, set of seven uh, behaviors that I call as a demonst uh, you know deep BHC uh, behaviors. I call it deep. BHC, which is a set of seven behaviors. Uh, it goes like this, demonstrating conceptual skills, empowerment, uh, emotional healing, uh, putting others first, uh, behaving ethically, um, helping others grow and succeed, and creating value for community. So those are the seven uh, behaviors that in my research and my study uh, make a servant leader. And uh, you know, if, if one can excel in these seven behaviors, one can truly claim to be a, a servant leader, um, you know, in any, any, any walk of life, uh, really, not just in an organization. Okay, and in terms of uh, those seven behaviors, can they be developed? Do some clearly natural leaders possess those seven behaviors naturally or have developed them? innate talents, but are these uh, learnable by any leader? I believe so, yes. And, and I have, we have certainly, you know, proof to say that, yes, they are all, all learnable, all learnable um, uh, skills, because the way we, we do is, uh, you know, we, we follow what we call as a four, seven, 10 model, right? So for the, we, we, we look at uh, servant leader, uh, the four anatomies of a leader, the heart, the head, the hands, and the habits of a leader. And then we map it to those seven behaviors, the BHC behaviors that I, I just now uh, described. 
And those seven behaviors are further mapped into what we call as 10 attributes. Attributes like listening, attributes like conceptualization, foresight, attributes like, uh, um, you know, healing, empathy, um, you know, and, and, and things like that. So there are, there are 10 attributes that we ultimately, so we, we help people to understand where they stand through that 360 degree survey. And when they know where they stand with respect to, you know, their own self-perception versus the perception of others, and also where they stand in a, in a group of people, uh, you know, within their organization or globally, they're able to identify where are their strengths, where do they need to improve, where have they overestimated themselves a bit, or where they have underestimated themselves a bit. So the 360 degree actually throws up those four areas. And then looking at those four areas, they can really look at what is the uh, you know, the skill or the attribute that you need to develop uh, to, to become uh, a servant uh, a leader or, or to become a better servant leader, let me put it that way, because most of, most of the people will have some of these aspects, you know, in some way or the other. Yeah, so that's that's all, and, and yeah, absolutely, it is learnable, and uh, you know, and and uh, the uh, results of of our intervention still now definitely prove that yes, it it people do learn it and practice it. Okay, so <clears throat> in terms of the payoff for this, um, listeners will be asking, well, this is all very nice, you know, where's the beef? Um, so. Um, the the key here is the transformative power this has on on employee potential is that is that correct uh yeah it's 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 actually not yeah on employee it's on employee potential it's on employees um, you know uh empowering them or feeling them i mean making them feel empowered it is about uh, you know helping them to bounce back from their own failures and, and you know, and, and things like that. It is about, uh, you know, uh, making them uh, giving, you know, or giving them the right or holistic, investing in their holistic development and things like that. So it's, 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 it's a lot about, yes, what do we do to make them better, bigger, wiser, richer, healthier, wealthier, more famous, happier, and things like that, right? Yeah, it's all about that. And in terms of clients, the, the touch point with clients is what better engagement between yes uh, better engagement uh, you know faster decision making because uh, if, if, if you know a, a company who has a servant leadership as their culture nobody will be saying look this is beyond my pay grade you know let me go check or you go and talk to my supervisor right when you have a problem so the the client will certainly feel the difference in in the speed of decision making in the in the sense of ownership that the employee takes in the quality of outcome that that uh, that is there that they provide the receptiveness uh, to to you know to feedback and things things like that so uh, really it, it is it is it is really a win win i mean re really a huge win for the clients too right so i get sort of relating this to the the situation as we have it now and I, I hate mentioning the c word too much but we have to talk about covid um i guess i'd be interested in sort of um investigating how this taps into the sort of the current zeitgeist um victor hugo once said there's nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come um and i i think we're in a time where employees are looking for leaders who use power appropriately who live certain values 
and sort of walk walk the talk in terms of um, doing what is right, right by themselves, by their workers, by their family, and so on. So, do you, do you see, see a sort of link with what's going on now uh, and a link yeah. between that and servant leadership? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, as it is, the world has been going around, you know, changing, and and you know, and, and uh, as everybody will know, the 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 rate of change has really overtaken human adaptability. And so, even before uh, the <clears throat> the COVID hit us, uh, the world has been going through a fast-paced change. But what COVID did is uh, is is something tremendous. It, it it literally crashed the the whole change that could have happened probably in the next five to ten years into the last six to seven months, right? So and and and, and exactly as you said, you know, the, so people people are now looking for uh, you know the the leaders who 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 use power appropriately, leaders who put others' interests first and not their self interest first, leaders who walk the talk as far as a set of values are concerned and leaders who do not chase success alone but pursue significance you know and, and i define always significance as uh, somebody who add value to themselves and at the same time add value to others so people will start looking look okay you you are successful so what did you do with it and who benefited from it who else benefited from it other than you right so so people are really seeking those answers and what covid has done is you know it has really um, you know exponentially increase the number of people who are asking those questions and who are seeking answers and who are sort of putting that external pressure on their leaders to change uh, so that you know, those questions and a higher purpose and things like that can be achieved. So, you know, so, so actually to me, um, you know, COVID has literally accelerated uh, the, the, uh, the adoption, the need uh, the desire, the desire for us to have better leaders among us. Sure. So, and, the, and the, I, I guess the counterpart to that is, um, let's talk about sort of resistance and barriers. Um, so, so company companies at the moment that they're, they're wanting to preserve cash, they're not wanting to do anything big. You know, everyone's hoping that this will pass. And you know, we're waiting for the the new normal to emerge, um, how do leaders overcome barriers like that within organizations? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, this tendency of institutions, you know, for the blob, the you know, the, the corporate blob to dampen the inspiration. Um, how, do you, how do you recommend that, that companies and leaders keep prevent yeah. that from happening? Yeah, uh, you know, um, in, in, interesting. Actually, yeah, that 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 that's that's actually true. When 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 you know when organizations become big, the, the you know the ideas get lost somewhere. Mm. You know, I I have this um, this this interesting and what I call as funny organizational structure picture where you know where the CEO is called as the chief idea killer, and then be, below him is there is a VP of bureaucracy and VP of saying mm -hmm. no, VP of staying the course, and VP of uh, you know, uh, let us do it later and all that stuff. And you know, and then the and the new manager for new ideas reports into these people, right? And you know what happens when? So typically, that's really what happens when organizations become bigger, and that is really why servant leadership makes sense because servant leadership literally 
flattens the organization so that when ideas are there, it is, uh, you know, we, we, people, the organization as a whole is able to capture it and, 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 and implement it because it, it, it really, um, you know, it really improves the uh, people's, uh, you know, ability and, and, the, and, the, and the confidence that they have in the system that when they have an idea, and if they present an idea, it's not going to get killed in the bureaucracy, uh, you know, somewhere, um, and and may never see the light and things like that. So, so those type of um, you know cultural changes um, happen when you actually implement um, servant leadership, and when 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 organizations are able to see this. That is when you know that that's when people say that hey look there is some sense in it so let's try it out, and what we of course try to do is to make this um, you know uh, not obviously you know everyone needs to preserve cash and things like that so if we if we say okay let's let's put a lot of money onto um, you know on onto developing servant leaders within the organization that's not going to happen so what we do is to try and do this internally right so we we do it by generating internal champions within the organization so all that they need to do is to invest some amount of time and they are more than willing to invest that time because of the passion that they're able to see and and, and, and the payout that they're able to see uh, in that and you know so when when it becomes a people's movement when it becomes an internally driven uh, movement even the even the cash flow issues get answered and that's really how wherever we have been able to see some traction on this uh, we have been able to make progress uh, you know in, in in organizations right and that feeds into um one of the seven characteristics you you mentioned namely that of demonstrating conceptual skills so dreaming big not being constrained by by current realities absolutely along with the along with the you know the whole concept of empowerment where you know we talk about the inverted pyramid where the leaders you know have to demonstrate that uh, demonstrating conceptual skills um, you know behavior set uh, big dreams for the organization and then step aside and make sure that the employees feel empowered to implement and you know considering the leaders as resources during the implementation so it has to go hand in hand with uh, you know with the with the uh, behavior of empowerment so you you demonstrate your conceptual skills set vision set goals set values set boundaries and then step aside and say that guys now you take over i am available to you as a resource as and when you need it you are now responsible for the implementation and you know the the uh, the difference that it can make to the the organization is 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 um, you know phenomenal when we when we do that. Sure, um, we, we we can address examples of this in a minute. Um, are there any specific sectors or optimal company sizes or, or sort of characteristic bundles that make um, servant leadership uh, more powerful? So, so multipliers objective multipliers that sort of make servant leadership more likely to see it succeed and get in given environments commercial environments let's keep to commercial for now than in others so you know what? travel and tourism obviously not doing very well at the moment yeah doing okay mm -hmm. tech's doing okay media's doing okay even to bits of retail where do you see this working out or, or most likely to work out yeah, I mean, so obviously in the in the places where you know where um, 
wherever there is a direct contact with clients, you know, where, where sort of in, in B2C type of um, industries, right, where uh, the, the employees are in direct touch with the end users, that's where the impact can be felt quickly and fast, like, uh, you know, the restaurant chains, like the, you know, uh, retail, um, you know, outlets and, you know, and then people like that, healthcare for that matter, right? So th those organizations, it can actually make a big difference and the results can be seen um, quickly, right? Um, and of course, travel and tourism is also actually that type of a business. It is, it is a direct customer contact business. Uh, yes, but we are, they, they are, they're going through a, a troubled time right now, but um, I'm, I'm sure it is going to pick up. And when it picks up, it is, it is a place where, you know, where um, servant leadership will and has uh, proven to be a big, um, big, big success and, and a big asset uh, to have. Uh, but having said that, uh, my, my studies really show that there is no, really no sector which cannot benefit from it. And there's no size uh, limitation for this. Uh, the only challenge, of course, is that if you have not gone, if you have not grown up as a servant leadership organization, and if you have grown beyond, let us say, um, you know, 100,000 employees, then it takes a little bit more effort to percolate that culture within the organization. So it will be, it will require some amount of time before it becomes uh, this thing. Obviously, uh, you know, organizations of the size of 25,000 employees and maybe 25 to 50,000 employees, it's a lot more easier, right? And of course, in smaller organizations, 400, 500, 500 to 2,500 employees, it becomes a lot more easier for uh, people to implement it. But uh, from the from the point of view of practicality or from the point of view of uh, effectiveness, I don't think any sector is um, any sector will find it not beneficial to have this philosophy uh, implemented. Right. So we thought that there are more there are corporate cultures, there are national cultures which are more prone to hierarchical structures. Um, Presumably, they're the ones uh, that probably need this the most. Um, uh, I don't know, big banks uh, uh, or big tech companies. Um, so, can you can you give examples of sort of where this has worked <clears throat> worked out well, where you've seen this actually work in you know in, in under fire, so to speak, and sort of just develop a little sort of how those organisations have benefited from servant leadership right yeah i can certainly you know give um, some global examples um you know the the whenever any 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 study on servant leadership will automatically throw out um, companies like chick-fil-a for that matter which is a fast food chain hmm. or southwest airline is is even a much better example of uh, you know empowerment and you know servant leadership they they are again unabashedly they will go and claim that a servant leadership is the only philosophy that they have it's actually one of their three values servant's heart is one of their three values and uh, the, the the way they have succeeded and uh, and then remained profitable in the past several decades despite aviation industry being always uh, an industry where there is heavy competition and mm. the profits are always under threat they continued they continued to be the most profitable airline industry in the whole world and uh, they, their management does not have any uh, any 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 hesitation in admitting that a major part of that credit goes to 
the servant leadership culture within that organization, right? Uh, now, so that those are service industries, right? Then you can look at uh, organizations like, um, you know, Google for that matter, right? Uh, where uh, the employee empowerment is so, so big. Managers are stripped of all powers that they have. And, um, you know, um, so the, even though they do not call it uh, servant leadership per se, but there's a lot of servant leadership elements that you can see in the so-called Google culture that, uh, you know, that a lot, lot of techies dream about, right? LinkedIn, for that matter, you know, use, uses what is called as a, as a compassionate leadership. They call it compassionate leadership, which is obviously a, a big subset of um, servant leadership philosophy itself. 7-Eleven for that matter, SendGrid for that matter. And if I look at India for specifically, you will see this mm. uh, you know, significantly in the Tata group of companies. If you look at their whole you know, founding uh, philosophies, right? Uh, where they had the big dream, and but they wanted to make sure that the, the achievement of that dream is achieved through very specific ethical, uh, highly uh, rooted on integrity uh, matters. And that, that have stood uh, you know the, the test of time. You know, and what happened during one of the terrorist attack, what we call as the 2611. Uh, you know, in in India, we famously known as 2611. How the employees of the Taj Hotel, uh, which is the Tata Group hotel, uh, you know, shielded uh, the the clients from the terrorists. Many of them paying with their own lives. Um, well, it's, it's a tremendous example of how servant leadership culture. You know, has taken root in that organization, and how uh, Ratan Tata himself, uh, you know, uh, behaved and and then went and appreciated each and every employee of that organization after mm. that uh, you know, incident and things like that. So we will see this in, in significantly in several several organizations across the across across the globe. Um, you know, and of course the the company that I work for, UST Global, is is another. Another example where we can today claim that is, uh, you know, servant leadership has been and is a major, major factor in our uh, digital transformation itself. Right. So, in, uh, those great examples. Uh, thank you. So, in terms of the the non-commercial sector, um, and again, perhaps referencing India itself or, or whatever, do you have any examples of? social organizations that have benefited from yeah yes i can certainly quote world vision as one of the um mm. I, you know world vision probably is the one of the biggest uh, you know um organize the the ngos non-profit organizations uh, that uh, in my view is one of the one of the biggest uh, you know organizations that uh, that that practice it and obviously have uh, benefited uh, from it compassion international uh, potentially could be another, um, you know, mm. um, another 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 organization that uh, that certainly follows uh, those principles both in management as well as in uh, you know in external stakeholder dealings and things like that. So yeah, there are, um, and of course uh, you know I have I have I've studied for my doctoral research. I have studied uh, um, several organizations, Burn mm. and Compassion International are, are two of them which I studied as part of my. Uh, you know, doctoral research itself. Okay, so to just wrapping up, Madana, what advice would you give to anyone who who wants to be an evangelist for servant leadership within their organisation, but who uh, 
you know, doesn't know where to start. Um, obviously, they can come to your to you, or they, you know, or, or to UST Global. But but just in general terms, what where, where would you recommend leaders or potential leaders start in that in, in their journey? I would say you know we should basically start with a with a with a three sixty degree assessment, which will give you know, people a huge, huge insight or awareness into where they stand, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, based on that, uh, we can we can then, you know, work out um, actions and, you know, and then things like that, that one can do. But however, you know, the, 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 the advice that I would, I would like to share with anyone who want to implement this is this, that sermon leadership cannot be forced upon anyone. It has to be a choice. It has to be a conscious choice that people, uh, you know, take pick up. Because when it is a conscious choice, uh, you know, you it will energize you and it will happen by itself. So instead of instead of working on the nuts and bolts and the and the and the policies and and the practices and stuff like that, what one need to work on is developing that passion internally, so that people feel that is, hey, look, I want to choose. To be a servant leader, and that's again going back to my UST uh, global example. Uh, that's how UST has been successful in doing it because today there are people queuing up for for the workshops and for the for you know registering for the workshops and things like that. And everything is being driven by a group of internal champions, and that has come only because you know people have become passionate about that topic. And so, so any evangelist, um, uh, you know needs to find out ways by which his or her uh, passion can become infectious and and then that catches on to others and you know and, and then if once you have a, a you know a, a group of or what we call as a coalition of partners then it will start uh, start thriving so that's really what what my advice would be for anyone of course the tools are there the, the surveys are there the workshops will be there the coaching will be there so those are all the tools that practical tools that are available but the beginning has to be in infecting other people with the passion that you have for that topic dr madana kumar madana thank you so much for your time and insights today it's been uh, brilliant talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you very much.